Welcome to Shotgun Story, the podcast that has conversations with indie creators about music, meaning, and the point of it all, so that you may be inspired by the journeys of other artists who are doing it for themselves, and maybe gain a little more understanding as to why it matters quite so much that you keep creating. I had heard of the legend that is Conrad Yamnik a long time before I had the pleasure of meeting him. He's a sound engineer, festival organizer, technical director, vibe director, venue owner, consultant, driver, psychologist, assistant, and musician. And he's here with us today. Hi, Conrad. Hey, how are you? Good. It's so nice to see your face so far away. I want to go to the most important question right at the beginning is, what brought you to the music? You know what's so crazy? In the last couple of weeks, you approached me for this interview and then Anton Goosen approached me for a bit of an interview and there was another interview for another show. Every time, you know, this question is asked, it is so, so incredible and amazing for me to immediately go and without a second of doubt or whatever in the answer is my mum and dad without two ways. My dad was an absolute legend in South Africa, um, comedian, and my mother, an agent for South African artists, Afrikaans artists from the early 80s till probably about six, seven years ago. So my dad, played, he was a musician, and like I said, comedian, storyteller. He played music. The first things I can remember is, is waking up in the back of a hall while my dad's band is playing and my mother booking the artists and logically I started asking the questions. You know, that what does that button do? And this and that and they, and always surrounded by entertainers, always wanting to know where's that going next on tour with Sias Reineke or doing some, you know, it was so fantastic. You had a real old school dance band. They were called Mustang and they only played country and you know coffee black cigarette and i'm like a rhinestone cowboy and all those things did all the entertainment all the different resorts all over south africa butt blast lost cup dumb swatini so as a child i was so privileged I was born in petersburg and then grew up on a holiday resort called butt blast just outside carolina wow. where my dad was the entertainment manager and my mum booked the bands, plus she was my standard two teacher. <laughs> so my first memories are my dad playing guitar with Gene Rockwell, Francois, Anne van Rooyen, Anton Goosen, Sonia Harold, all those artists. So basically, that was it. What else could I possibly ended up doing but being in the music industry after such in incredible luck to be brought up in a house full of music entertainment shows organizing and 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 so that's that's why i am gonna i'm like today with without a doubt there comes a time where you just know yeah. and uh, i just knew so i was that guy at school that knew where to switch on the lights in in the main hall or knew what to do when the speakers don't work in the morning where they're doing all the good morning speeches and took the speakers to the big athletic meetings and my rugby team you know i took speakers 
to the rugby games and my whole team had to do a dance and they were we all dressed up and all that kind of stuff and then eventually I got into trouble because everybody came to our game and not the main game and I went wait a minute I can do this for always you know people must come to my event so that was it it. and that was fantastic and I mean Wow, you know, my dad was just such an absolute, absolute legend, musician, and like I said, just such a gentle soul. So I want to be that. I want to do that. You know, simple as that. Mm, it's amazing, amazing to feel so strongly about it. If you were to look at your career in music on a timeline, what five highlights would you give to listeners who aren't familiar with your history? You know what? I listened to your podcast with Magical Andra. Mm-hmm. The way she did the podcast, she did what she always does and made me think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then at the end of the day, there are different ways of answering questions. And I think without thinking too much about it, what Andra always does. My career, it was crazy in 1992. Casper de Vries had a show in Pretoria mm. at a place called After Dark. And at that point, my mother also helped him with concerts. Mm. And his lighting engineer got sick and phoned my mother frantically saying, they don't have a lighting engineer. Can she maybe advise? And she said, well, my son does the lights at school and she can maybe go and, and help you. And eventually there I was, went out to the center of Pretoria, I did the show for him. Two weeks later, he phoned me and said he's doing a show early next year at the State Theatre in Pretoria. Will I be able to go and do the lights for him? And I was like, he's like, are you kidding me? Okay, cool. And then I went there and did the sound engineer at the venue couldn't understand one word of Afrikaans. And Casper's show is 100% based on Afrikaans cues. Yeah. And then Casper said, well, Conrad, just swap. And I went, sorry? And he just put me on sound. Oh, my gosh. Um, with a full band. And I was in front of this desk, the size of the universe. Yeah. And I just went, okay, well, that's that. This is it. And... Somehow it worked out, and they were all happy. Uh, I ended up touring with Casper de Vries for just over 20 years. Wow. Because of somebody that got ill mm. and somebody that didn't understand Afrikaans at a theater. That was just out of school. So in other words, you're out of school and you're going on tour with, with Casper de Vries, you know, mm. and that was it. And then I knew only that world except for the little things I did at school and and everything I've seen my parents do. And from there on, I just uh, got involved in more and more and more, always kept my eyes open on the road, you know, because Casper toured so many venues in South Africa, big theatres, in the beginning, small venues. So I just kept my eyes open the whole time and went back to a lot of them. But logically, because of that, a lot of connections were made. Mm. You know, and then at one point I realized I'm definitely going to end up more on the alternative scene stuff. You can call it a highlight or you can call it the, the thing that really actually got everything going as a professional. 
you know, we are actually then. Then he said, you're going on tour with Casper de Vries and you're going to get paid for it. And I said, what? <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you crazy? And that was it. So highlights, first time, and this is not in any order. Yeah. The first time Pete Puerta asked me to go to Strab to Mozambique mm. and introduced me to that place, you would immediately know that the rest is history. And yes. I mean, the first time my brother, Franco, came to me, and said, I did a show this weekend at a place called the Blue Moon, just outside of Nelspreit. And I said, yeah, cool, is it cool? He said, go there, it will change your life. And it did. And I went, geez, like, yeah. <laughs> I went, yeah, all right, that's a bit hectic. <laughs> and I went there for a show, uh, engineer, and I met Anthony Bumstedt and, and Renata and, and Beanie and Pete Van Aldrin and, and everybody there. and we ended up doing Pablo Neruda poems while drinking tequila, chili, and, and white wine. And yeah, my life changed. So that's definitely one of the highlights. But then, my dear, from there on, it, it's just crazy. I think, oh, my word, you know? Mm. Yeah, but those are just a couple of the top. But every single event or every single time that something is a success and, and sometimes even when it's not they're all actually highlights you know they're all stars in the universe some of them have gone and some of them are still there and so they're all part of the bigger picture even the ones i really want to forget <laughs> at the end of the day as time goes on you remember just the good out of those because i mean you did learn something even if somebody had to tell you three days later what happened, but you did learn something out of it. So I think the biggest highlight always is that feeling you get being a bit separated from what's happening in front of you and then realizing you had a part in it. Yeah. And you see the joy on everybody's faces and you can feel the energy out of the crowd. And you just know, okay, you know, I had a part in this. That feeling is incredible. You know, there's always that, that time where you go, what the freaking hell am I doing? It's two weeks before the festival or the event, and oh, this must be sorted and this and that and there. And then there's that moment at the event where you just sit back and you go, wow. Yeah. And sometimes I even forget to do sound, you know. <laughs> That's the absolute best. You know, I'll be sitting at the desk and I go, oh my goodness, wow. And I go, oh shit, I should probably, you know, whatever, whatever. So, yeah, I think that answers your question. It sure does. I mean, you have pretty much done sound for everybody. Yeah, there's many out there that I still would love to do sound for. Yeah, I'm a very lucky, very, very, very lucky that a lot of musicians have been in front of me. So I'm... I'm very, very blessed and, and very, very lucky. And interesting that, who would you like to do sound for that you haven't? Uh, the Fake Leather Blues Band. <laughs> <laughs> now, the Fake Leather Blues Band is Conrad's band and it is a wonderful, wonderful band. And in fact, I'm going to talk to you about that now for a moment. Okay, cool. Okay, what drives you to create <laughs> music? The ultimate why? Just, just to go back to that, this also happens for me as a child because logically it would be impossible for me to, to do sound 
for the Frank Leather Blues Band. That just came up as a joke, although I've done sound for the Frank Leather Blues Band quite a few times. <laughs> when there's nobody else but it on tour, you've got to make a plan yourself. What drives me to the Frank Leather Blues Band is different in my mind in any case to what you do and to what Andra does and to what so many incredible musicians in South Africa do. It, it started off as an absolute fluke on, on Tuesday nights at the Old Nile Crocodile in Pretoria. And every Tuesday night we, we jammed at the open mic nights and we were just there every Tuesday, me and Gideon Mankies and sometimes Nathan Smith and Peter Tasson and, and my brother and Jakob Manz and so every Tuesday, open mic night, I would find the guys and say, yeah, of course, we're there, we're there, we're there, we're there. And then at the end of the evening, we just did like a, a bit of a, we made fun of blues, you know, mm. a bit of a send-up or whatever you want to call it. And then Jacques Cunningham, the sound engineer, one evening came to us and said, you know what, you guys, I don't get it. it it's not blues. It's not rock. It's not real. It's not. I don't know what you guys are doing, but I love it. You're almost like a fake leather jacket kind of vibe. Mm. You know, one of those. You know, from a distance, it looks real, but closer, it's not. And then I went, okay, first of all, I love the fact that you call it fake leather. So immediately, fake leather blues band came up. And then secondly, it was, okay, well, I suppose we're a band. And then I went to the guys and I said, listen, <laughs> we just got a name. And and they all went, yeah, we have done, we have probably now played about 15 gigs. Yeah. So that's how Fake Leather started. And I, I've never given a thought, never, ever, 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 ever. I've never sat down and thought, which direction is this going? Or what shall I do with the band? Should we do an EP? Should we do a this? Should we maybe that? Everything surrounding the Fake Leather Blues Band has just happened. Yeah. All of it just happened the the uga booga man with the outfit and the glasses and all those things happened at volmer one evening i was not flying drunk on stage doing whatever i could do entertaining the people and blah 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 and then after every second or third song i said uga booga <laughs> for some reason i've got no idea why no idea why whatsoever and people started going, ooga booga, and I went, ooga booga, and they went, ooga booga. And then for a for an event, I hired a, like a pirate thingy, this and that and that, with the jacket or whatever you want to call it. And then the ooga booga man just appeared out of mm -hmm. nowhere. Once again, it just happened. And I will always just let it happen yeah. with fake leather. I don't know where, but it's fantastic. And I miss it. I miss it so, so, so much because my band is in Pretoria and I thought of starting Fake Leather in, in Cape Town with some of the musicians here, but that's the closest I've come to. It, it doesn't feel right. You know, I can't do it without my brother and I can't do it without Peter, you know, and I can't do it without Vimpy and I can't do it. It just doesn't feel right. So once again, I'm just letting Fake Leather be. And can you believe it? It's now... So it's 18 years, 18 years of the Fake Leather Blues Band. I mean, that's crazy. And I mean, is it still a jam band or do you actually sit down and write the songs? A lot of it is still jam, but we do actually 
sit down and there's always a structure. I get an idea, a verse or a riff, and then I get together with my brother and we have a bit of a chat and then we go to the rehearsal and then the basic structure gets created mm. and then we work on the tightness of it and all that kind of stuff to make it really as tight as possible. And then from there on, what happens in the show happens in the show. Mm. You know, then we always allow for that. But in the beginning, it was very much jam with a bit of a structure. And over the years, it became quite a bit of a proper structure with whatever happens, happens always there. You know, that what's next? I don't know, but let's try this. And there we go. You know, and it's fantastic. So now you're not afraid of jamming, obviously. Like you are relaxed to mm. step into that environment and just give it your all. What advice do you have for people who are like me, a little bit afraid to jam? Okay. Just remember... I don't play guitar well enough or piano well enough or anything like that well enough to walk onto the stage in that kind of way yeah. and physically jam an instrument with somebody. I can go up and do a, a verse of an old folk blues song or a this or that very quickly on and off. But then again, I can't really do it, but the Uga Booga man, if he's cool and keen with it, he'll do it. Yeah. It takes a shitload for me to walk on stage as Conrad, because I totally completely believe that I can't really sing, understand? So I, I totally completely believe, and I, I know I can't, but the Uga Booga man, he gets away with it because he firstly, he gets into your head and then he, he messes around a bit. Then he sort of like, he puts you in, an, in a different mindset to think that there's actually singing involved, but there's not really. It's all up to the Uga Booga man, actually. Yeah. You know? On stage every now and then with a jam, after a couple of drinks, sure, that maybe happened. But to be very, very, very honest with you, sober and just being Conrad Yamnak somewhere, I can't handle it. Corin Zoid <laughs> once called me onto stage at the Steak and Ale while I was doing a sound. And she said, Conrad, come sing a blues song with us. I'm like, I don't, everything inside me died. I could oh. literally feel every single part of me. And I said, no, no, I I'm cool. And unfortunately, I I've got to do sound. And then worst nightmare, worst, worst nightmare. She didn't stop. She didn't stop and insisted and insisted and insisted. It's a full house packed at the stake and ale. And two minutes went past, three minutes went past. I'll never, ever, 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 ever forget it. And I walked on the stage and I can't remember what I did or what I said or what I tried to do. I tried to be funny. I tried to be, I don't know what I did. <laughs> so I was like, that was absolutely horrifying. She said she loved it and, and the people, but I, I, I've, I've never, well, not never, but I've never so badly just wanted to disappear. I <laughs> promise you, it nearly killed me. I think, oh, now and now again, you see what you guys did. I listened to Andra's, and, and Andra gave so many incredible answers. Damn it, <laughs> that freaking woman. <Ugh. laughs> 
you know, and she said, you know, she's got no advice because, you know, she doesn't know the person. She doesn't know the this, the that, and the there, and what, what, what. And then I went, oh, see, that, that's the way she would think about it. But then I thought, okay, cool. I would say, be honest with yourself. And Andra is in my head the whole time now. I could just see her looking at me with those freaking eyes. Be confident and go walk on there and do your thing and be, you know, be upset. Know what you're doing, but, you know, but if, if it feels right and you know you can do it and go on there, jam, and less is more, man. Rather go on there, do something quickly, be present, do the whatever, whatever, jam a bit. But then the second you feel it's too much, it's too much. Yeah. I would say the second you feel, what am I doing here? Then <laughs> leave. Yeah. I would say that. But, I mean, if you're an incredible guitarist and you can play any song and, and any key, then rip it up until somebody chases you off. <laughs> you know? yeah. If you're in Volmer in Pretoria North, it will probably only be two or three songs, then you'll be kicked off in any case. Know your place, you know. That's wonderful. I think that's a wonderful answer. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, don't overdo it. Don't overstay your welcome. A good jam is fantastic, like most things. A jam that just sort of like, uh, you know. That goes on infinitely. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think so, yeah. So now I'm <laughs> so glad that you listened to Andrew's episode. It really made me happy that you had. Because I know that you and her oh, have worked geez. together a lot. Mm. And you have a deep respect for her, which is wonderful. She's um, one of my heroes. But let's move on to some music industry challenges. What do you see? And let's not even talk about 2020 yet, but what do you see as some of the challenges that musicians today are facing? In some ways, something that I've, that I've seen over my career, which I'm sometimes a bit, you know, actually quite sad about, and there's no other way in, in saying it, but the more special, i got to say this very carefully, but you will understand if somebody out there, if you don't understand or that just comes across wrong. Yeah, yeah, I'm so sorry. Anyway, the thing is, the more special you are and in what you in what you do in a certain niche genre in, in South Africa, the more difficult it becomes. I feel. If we're talking to make a career out of it and to make money to support your family and pay your rent and all those kind of stuff, to be an, an incredibly unique artist with a very unique sound and a, a special stage presence and, and something super unique, that's difficult. Mm -hmm. But that makes sense. That's kind of like logically it will be difficult. In a different country maybe or you know, you need a very small percentage of people to, to follow you and you can make a living out of it. But in South Africa, I suppose actually all around the world, I mean, let's be honest, you know. The, mm. yeah. So I think that's, that's a challenge in, in the sense that you're going to ask yourself that question at one point. Maybe I'm playing or writing the wrong music. Yeah. Because I don't get... 200 people at my concerts. So maybe I must change what I do. 
Oh, that's such a terrible question to ask yourself. Mm. Shit, maybe if I write something less this, or maybe if I put more instruments on stage, or maybe if, if it's more catchy, maybe more people will come. But then what are you doing? I don't know, I suppose all artists do that. Or, or if you're a painter, do you paint something very abstract and then go, oh, but maybe if I paint a Coca-Cola can, more people will, you know, be interested. Or if I paint a sunset, that's more acceptable and it's pretty and it's, wow, beautiful. But, but I mean, if, if I paint the inside of my soul, the chances of people buying it is not very good. So that's a challenge, but that's that's maybe not a maybe not an industry challenge. Maybe that's more of a bit of a personal challenge, I suppose, which has come about because of you doing something incredible, but it's very difficult to get people at your gig. Yeah. So I suppose that's a struggle. Venues, the road, I think something South Africa doesn't give enough attention for venues. And this is such a difficult thing because it's so difficult to say, so easy on paper, but to create a, a real circuit again, a, a proper circuit. So so everybody must communicate. Venues must communicate among each other. Yeah. Let's rotate certain acts certain times of the year. I've got two big names coming. You do them the first part of the year. I'll do them the second part of the year. Let's not all squeeze all of them in, you know, as, as much as we can over two weekends. Yeah. But that's that's so difficult, you know, because people go on tour when suddenly there's money or suddenly something happens and then they go and, and then you squeeze in as much as you can. Yeah. But we all know that's not the best thing, you know, because yeah. so maybe – I'm working on, on trying to figure out a way out to get the circuit circuit going. I want to get a, a couple of other venues together and, and have a chat and see what we can do and, and see what the reaction is if I bring that up. But you know what? In the music I'm involved or want to be involved in and have been involved in and will be involved in, there's a very big personal struggle among really incredible musicians, you know, having to ask himself that question. Somebody phones me and say, listen, they booked me for this gig. Do you think I'm right for that place? Yeah. And I'm like, Shit, man, you're not gonna, do you really think I should play that place? You know, then, yeah, that's a very personal question, you know, like, because so, logically that, that person doesn't feel comfortable, but, if he doesn't play it, he might lose his car. Oh. <laughs> so it's it's so crazy. But yeah, but sure, let's not get too dark and depressed about it. No, I mean, it's interesting because when you say that the phrase beggars can't be choosers comes up and mm. it's like musicians and beggars, like that's how this whole year has made it feel. There have been so many musicians online doing these little shows for donations because they can't mm. play gigs, you know, streaming doesn't pay and nobody buys albums. And how are musicians supposed to make a living if not from donations? Cause, but that doesn't work because pride, you know? You have to make a decision within yourself. Pride, sure, I, I get that. But man's got to eat, you yeah. know, and it's so difficult. But I mean, 
it, it comes down to do what you feel is right. And if, if it doesn't feel right and you, and, and you can find another way to make an income or whatever, cool. I, I'm all about this thing these days in my head that approach the thing that comes up, deal with it the way you feel at that moment, you know. Mm. As an overthinker, I've been saying don't overthink it so much this year, <laughs> you know, but just believe in what you do. And if you find a way and, and it's a streaming and or a donations thingy or a this and a that and a there, and don't swallow your pride. That's not what it's about. It's such a crazy time and you've got to do what you've got to do. Don't break your soul and, and your mind and everything about having to do certain things. Do what feels right. Yeah. There's a Fernando, a good friend of ours in Mozambique, in Ponto Malangan. You know, there's nothing. They've got they've got no ways of and he's a musician. Mm. He's now he's now planting vegetables and, and, and making money out of that. What happened during lockdown? He said he wants to do a show on Zoom or whatever. And I said, Let's do it, brother. And he walked around for a day or two finding a hill high enough to get enough cell phone signal. Yeah. Found a beautiful spot under a tree. And there's a guy sitting under a tree in Ponto Malangan playing a show on Zoom to like 20 strangers all over South Africa, one even in England. And I'm just sitting there and I'm going, what the hell? Yeah. What the hell? The communication I've had with him over time, over 10, 15 years at Strab, we've never had this kind of conversation. I don't know him, but I know him. Yeah. But he sat there and I would love to know where pride and and all those things came into his reasoning, except for finding a tree, enough cell phone signal, play my music, people will give some money if they want to, yeah. and that's it. Wow. That's it. That, wow. That's all he did. And I just and I, and I sat there and I saw the people sitting wherever they are in South Africa at their pools and this and that and there, and there's this guy. I, I know, I know for a fact, he, he, I could see it in him and I could feel it in him that he wasn't sure what people are seeing or hearing. The way he didn't, he never looked himself in the eyes on his cell phone. He never, you know, you, you get people playing a little set at home and you can see him looking at himself, mm. you know, playing, being aware. His eyes were, out there. And then every now and then I said, Desi Fernando, are you still fine? And I saw him, you know, looking at the phone going, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then people are clapping hands and he's like, he can't believe it, you know. And then oh, let me finish the story about him. And then we made close to 6,000 Rand for him. Yeah. And I phoned him afterwards with donations and stuff. And I said, brother, I've got some I don't know what's good news regarding money to him, you know? So I don't know what to say. You know, I spoke to Jessica and I said, 6,000 Rand. I mean, absurdly. And I told him we made, brother, we made almost 6,000 Rand. And it was dead silence, dead silence on the other side. 
and I'm sorry, I'm getting super emotional now. God, I feel so weak. And it was, yeah, and it was dead silence on the other side, and he couldn't comprehend it. In his whole life, his whole life, up to the age of whatever he is now, that amount of money for him after playing for 45 minutes under a tree yeah. on the sand with a little acoustic guitar on an old Nokia phone, you know, the amount of gratitude and the amount of disbelief from him was just such an absolute eye opener. Wow. You know, the thing is here is that he took what he's got. It's his music and an old guitar. And he took what he's got and he used it. I believe he didn't think of pride or how specifically good the quality will be. Will it be cutting out? Is the sound shit? Is it this there? Is it that there? No. If you can hear me and if you can see me and you hear what I've got to say, then that's it. If you appreciate it and you want to give me something, God bless you, man. That's it. And that was it. It ended, and I tried 15 times to, to tell him how to finish, and eventually he just sat there under the tree in front of his phone, and I went on Zoom, and I went, and I just switched him off. I don't know how long he still sat there, not being sure if he's still being watched yeah. or not. And I thought of this guy in Mozambique under a tree. Such an incredible story. Wow. And I promise you, he's definitely been working with that 6,000 Rand better than I've ever worked with 6,000 Rand ever in my life. So I think I told the story in, in this way to maybe answer your question about the industry and in, in, in these times regarding making money and all those kind of stuff. I think it was self-explanatory. That's it, man. You have that, you know. That is a proper perspective check. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah, sure. Pleasure. After the year that we've had, what do you predict for the future of live music? Tiny, tiny green aliens are still going to like <laughs> out of nowhere appear at the bottom of your coffee cup in the morning. And they're just going to stare at you and they're going to read you strange poetry. And then grass are going to slowly but surely turn jelly everywhere around the world and pigs are going to start walking on their back legs every painting in your house is going to come alive every morning three o'clock that's what i predict <laughs> and that's pretty much what we can say about live music i agree who knows where it's going it's going you know the, the fact is don't worry about it be concerned make sure you've got a plan in place you know and try to do as much as you possibly can but at the end of the day, you're a musician. We are musicians. We are creative people. We don't necessarily have the business minds like other people do. But we are creative and we can find ways and we will find a way. And some won't find a way. If you use your mind and your talent and, and whatever you've got to and apply it and stay on it. And, and sometimes I know you don't want to. And I know you don't want to. Sometimes you just want everything to be dark and close your windows and curtains and that's fine. Do it, deal with that then. But man, go find a tree on a hill somewhere, man, and sit there and, and play your music. But to predict it, 
Technology-wise, it's crazy. Remember, I can talk from a technical point of view as well. Look what we're doing at the moment. I did a, over lockdown, I did a wedding. We had two South African bands. The couple got married in Russia, and the guy did the ceremony was in Australia, and fans were all over the world, you mm -hmm. know? And I'm sitting there, and I'm going, what the hell? You know, we were busy planning shows in Russia with a live audience in Russia and a live audience in South Africa with a big screen up in the venue in Russia and a big screen up in the venue in Stellenbosch. So my band plays live to a live audience. It gets broadcasted to Russia. It gets projected on a live screen in Russia on a big PA. So people in Russia watches the band live on a video screen. After that, the Russian band starts playing in front of a live audience. That gets broadcasted to us. We watch them in South Africa on a big screen in front of a live audience. You can buy online tickets and live tickets, you know. So now we can do Joburg Band play. We watch them on a big screen. Cape Town Bay, they watch us on a big screen. All the festivals in South Africa put all their bands together and whatever, whatever, whatever. So I'm just sitting there and I'm going, what the hell? Man, we've looked at technology now where with 3D cameras and stuff and, 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 and the tech guys out there will probably go, yeah, yeah, this has been going for so long. I don't care how long it's been going. I've just seen it, you know. And we'll be able to record a show um, where then you can buy a separate ticket afterwards where you as guitarists can put a thing on your head, one of those 3D things, and you can literally walk on stage and look at your favorite band's pedal setup and what skins the drummer use. And you can literally go stand next to him during sound check. Wow. I watched the Zabora Massa concert. You could buy a ticket and then you follow the guitar tech. You could buy a ticket and then you can spend backstage with Zabora Massa. You could buy a ticket and there's a cutout of you in the theater. Then he goes sits down next to you. You can buy a ticket and you can be at, in the sound engineer booth for the whole duration of the concert. It's just going, you know. Yeah. But please, please, all I want is somebody on stage, two speakers, and an audience in front of me. Fact is, uh, with all of this happening, I understand why it's happening and why we've got to do what we've got to do to survive. Yeah. But I need to touch the music. I need to, uh, you know, I can watch you play a song on Facebook or whatever and love it and, and get it and all that kind of stuff. And it will still be beautiful, but I need to feel it, you know. But then again, Noza did a concert at our place at Daisy Jones, a live stream. And I asked about not having a live audience in front of her. And again, without thinking, she just said, Conrad, I'm learning a new way to send my energy to somebody. Oh. And I mean, I said, no, so what do you, what do you exactly mean? It says, the person is not here, but the person is out there. And there, that person is here. And then again, I went, I mean, come on. And all she visualizes in her head is, this goes into a little thing, that goes through with this, it gets send over whatever, whatever, it finds a way, still reaches that person's heart. And then I went, 
you know, so in the same sentence where I tell you that I need to be there and feel the music and, and, and my head goes, but it still reaches me, whichever way. There's always these people in our lives that just brings us back to, you know, oh, I can't play in front of, there are no people in front of me. I need to this, I need to that. And then she just goes, Conrad, I'm learning new ways. I realize there's new ways for me to get my energy, to send my energy. So and Conrad, it can go so much farther now. It can go so much further. Since I'm from a township, I can sit in my Sabine and my energy, my music can reach somebody in Canada. I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> it can go so much further instead of just the people in front of me. And then I went like, absolutely mind blown. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it can go so much further. So you can clearly see at the moment, my mind is just open to so much. And every time something happens that makes me or us in the industry go, no, but yeah, but no, but yeah, but somebody comes around or something comes around that just makes you go, man, damn it. Yeah. Crazy. So crazy. But crazy, no two ways about it. We can be as people, whatever you want to call it. It's been crazy. But you are still making things happen, and that's so exciting. And I'm so excited about what you, what you said about maybe developing mm. that circuit because I agree with you. I think that would be wonderful. Quick couple of things as we head to the end. I've never asked you how long am I supposed to because I can go on and on and on. Just so, you know, there's something in the, in the tone of your voice that just makes me want to talk to you forever. And, you know, when I, when I listen to the Andra podcast, it, it's, you are so freaking good at this. I promise you, 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 I'm driving in my car on my way to Pretoria from Nelspreet and it's raining and whoever does the editing and all that kind of stuff, the rhythm of the podcast is so incredible. Man, I promise you, I loved it so much. It was therapeutic. It was interesting. It was heartwarming. It was funny. This to me is like doing sound for a 150-piece Philharmonic Orchestra. This morning I'm waiting, and then suddenly that message from you came through that said, all good for 10 o'clock, and I'm like, oh, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening. So, damn it. Yeah, I just have to tell you this. It's, oh, thank it's you. It's really so, so fantastic, man. That fills me with joy. Yeah, so perfect. Wow. Well, I'm so glad that we got to speak to you because you are, I think, one of the most important people in – this industry and on our scene and I think for anybody who's listening who is either up and coming or who's been doing this for a while needs to know your name and how to get hold of you which I'm going to ask you just now but I have one thing I want to find out first is there a song Mm. that you wish you had written if I could have written a song I wish I wrote wow the most Nina Simone songs (laughs) Most to Morrison songs. <laughs> I mean, I'll ask you: Is it is it the right lingo to say you're a fan of a classical composer? A fan? It just feels so weird to say I'm a fan of Paganini. I think you can still say that. So strange, I mean, fan suddenly means so many other things, you know. But I mean, okay, I'm a I'm a massive Paganini's music. To me, is is, is absolutely incredible. So. 
I mean, I wish I had the mental capacity or whatever you want to call it, or that gift to write something like that, you know? Your favorite song of all time? <laughs> You're going to kill me. <laughs> There's songs I go to every now and then, you know, when you're driving home on tour and all you see in front of you is that sushi platter. Yeah. On all you want sushi, no matter what's going to happen, you're going to. So there's songs I go to. There are certain songs that I have to listen to. And some of them are insanely corny. One of them are Tears of a Dragon by Bruce Dickinson. Mm-hmm. I have to hear that song at least once every whatever. Uh, I am a massive Nico fan. Yes. As in, I love him to bits. Do you read his red letter files? Yes, of course I do. Have you ever been on YouTube on um, Bad Seeds TV? No, Bad Seeds TV. It's 20, 24 hours of Nick Cave continuously all day, all night. Wow. Live shows, interviews, um, poetry readings, absolutely. Okay, I'm going to look it up. I've got a nice saying because I'm a sound engineer and logically love music. Some of the best songs ever are not my favorite sounding songs because I listen to stuff differently, I believe. And some of the most incredibly recorded music are not my favorite songs. So I can listen to something purely because of what it sounds like, but I don't connect with the song. And then sometimes I listen to something that's so beautiful and I completely disconnect myself to what it sounds like. And that's very important. You, because of who you are, and all musicians are in a way a bit of a sound engineer. You know when something sounds right and when something doesn't sound right, whether it's for yourself on stage or whether it's being at a concert. And then I always use this example. If you think of any Beatles song now, Okay, the first Beatles song that comes up in your head, let's say it's been a hard day's night or something. You've got no idea what the kick drum sounds like. No. You've never listened to the bass guitar. Never. If you think of songs by Elvis, like Hound Dog, or, you know, one of the many songs he covered, you can't remember the tone of the acoustic guitar or some other songs on, on vinyl, there's, you can't even hear the bass guitar, you know? So... Listen, but don't necessarily listen mm. sometimes, you know. So a song that stops me in my tracks are the most beautiful thing. Maybe except for, for Jessica, there's a few things more beautiful than that, to be very honest. She's a song. She's the most beautiful song ever. There, I got my answer. <laughs> I got my answer. I got my answer. Damn it, and if that doesn't win me points, I don't know what the hell will, I promise you. <laughs> That is wonderful. And I must say, I am mm. so happy for you two to have found each other. I'm so happy. That's crazy, man. In between all of this madness, you know, there are those moments. There's listening to Andra. There's, there's finding a new song. There's seeing some new technology, getting a song across and taking the energy further than it's ever been able to go. There's a guy who finds a freaking tree on a hill. And among all of this, there's a shitload of sadness, but we just got a freaking mission and, and be cool with ourselves. 
Yeah, and in light of all of that, the good and the bad, what advice would you give to other musicians? Once again, Andra cursed me for, for my listening to her freaking podcast. And, yeah, Andra, I know you listen, I hope you listen to this thing. You have my whole freaking brain outgefreed, the mood child. But, okay, there's the, the deeper sense of giving advice and all that kind of stuff. But I can actually give advice in the sense that get your stuff together. If you want to be a professional musician, get your EPK sorted, get your website sorted, get your music in order, make it easy for people to access your stuff. Be clever. Check your grammar when you write an email. Make sure you answer your phone, reply on your emails. Be calm, be kind, be gentle. Know what you want, but feel feel the energy first before you lash out onto something or on, on somebody or something regarding a this or a that or a venue or whatever the situation is. Be calm, but get your shit together. Be ready to present what you've got as good as you possibly can at any time. Mm. You know, be free in your head. Be crazy. Be all of that. And sure enough, you know, if you believe in, in what you what you have, will find somebody somehow, somewhere, and, and if something happens to it, it will be great and, and and fine. But get it on one flash drive <laughs> and put it on a table and let the universe take it from there. Yes. I see it all the time, all over the place, you know, everywhere. People out there in these times are, are trying to find a shitload of stuff and trying to get through stuff and, and trying to make things work. They're going to pick, and, and this is fortunately and unfortunately, and you know that's what my mind is all about at the moment. The second I say something, something else pops up. But with all of the shit going on and everything happening, if somebody has to make a decision, he's going to take the package mm. that's there. That you can take like this, move it, put it down, and use it. That's the way it is at the moment. It doesn't have time to sort your set out for you. Yeah. And that's it. And I don't know if it sounds harsh or whatever, but wherever you are, turn around, put all those papers together, get your bio together, write a couple of this, make it presentable, put it on one flash drive, and this is what I can do. This is what I am. Here I am. That's it. If I hear what's happening and, and see the way uh, venues are booking artists and all that, kind, eventually there's somebody that sits there that's going to make a decision, mm -hmm. you know, on who they're going to book. And if you're incredible and, and, all, and I'm not going to repeat myself now, but if it's in a file and they can take that and they can use it and they see what they've got, the chances are so much better that they're going to pick you. That is tremendously, incredibly good advice. <laughs> yes. And if you're not that guy, and there goes my other side of my brain again, if you're not that guy, man, I honestly, or girl, I honestly wish that the right person finds you and, and you get your music out there the way you want to because you also deserve it. And that's it. Oh, wonderful. And if anybody wants to get in touch with you, learn more about what you're doing. How can they? Mm. Social media links. My Instagram profile might might confuse you or intrigue you or make you run and hide or 
make you love me forever. I don't know. A Stripe Conrad on, on Instagram and then on Facebook, Conrad Yamnek. Wonderful. Thank no, you, you can post my email address somewhere if you want to. I don't know how it works. Or, but yeah, I'm, I'm out there. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending the morning with Thank me. you. No, it was fantastic. No, I, I really love that. Hopefully I didn't speak too much. I'll leave Jessica's lying in the room. She'll tell me now if I spoke too much or not. But I can't help it with you. I just can't help it. But then she's going to say, you, you speak too much to everybody. But <laughs> it just, I, I, will, I will, can speak to you for hours. It's just so fantastic. Well, it was so exciting for me to hear all those stories because most of your stories were unfamiliar to me. And that's super exciting. There are so many more. So many more. Good friend of mine that, that passed away this year, Mr. Anthony Bumstead, always said, never ever waste a good story with the truth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So many stories. This industry, who we are, what we are, it takes us places, shows us faces, and I wouldn't swap it with anything. That's the best. Thank you for everything you do for it. Oh, it's a big pleasure. Big pleasure. Yeah, look after yourself. And cheers. I've got more, more than enough reason to look after myself better than ever. Absolutely. So yeah. I'm super all about that. If you are an indie artist whose passion for what you do can inspire or fuel others, get in touch. I'd love to chat. You can find me on Instagram at ShotgunTory. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts. Oh.